my sisters, the Lord be with you. A reading from the Holy Gospel according to Matthew. When Jesus heard of the death of John the Baptist, he withdrew in a boat to a deserted place by himself. The crowds heard of this and followed him on foot from their towns. When he disembarked, he saw the vast crowd. His heart was moved with pity for them, and he cured their sick. When it was evening, the disciples approached him and said, this is a deserted place, and it is already late. Demiss the crowd, so that you may go to the villages and buy food for themselves. Jesus said to them, there is no need for them to go away. Give them some food yourselves. But they said to him, five loaves and two fishes are all we have here. Then he said, bring them here to me. And he ordered the crowds to sit down on the grass, taking the five loaves and the two fish, and looking up to heaven, he said the blessing and broke the loaves and gave them to the disciples, who in turn gave them to the crowds. They all ate and were satisfied, and they picked up the fragments left over, 12 wicker baskets full. Those who ate were about 5,000 men, not counting women and children. The Gospel of the Lord. Praise to the Lord Jesus Christ. I got two stories from a local writer. I've been reading, I don't know if you're doing some spiritual reading this, this summer, but she's a nun, Sister Bridget Housing. The book is called Doors of the Sacred. And she recounts the story of that holy man from India, Gandhi, who was traveling across India, and he's running a little late to get onto a train. And he's running late because the crowd of onlookers are pressing to see him. And he's quickly walking to board the train when his sandal loses and fell off and landed on the ground. And then he paused. He bent over to try to get it. And this poor barefooted boy spied the sandal. And he grabs it tightly and he ran. Gandhi had to board the train. So sitting next to him was a friend. And he looked out the window with the friend and he saw the boy. He has a sandal up in his hands and he's saying sort of in satisfaction that he got Gandhi's sandal, you know? Satisfaction and delight. So here's what he does. Immediately Gandhi takes the other one from his foot and he aims it right in the direction of the boy outside of the train. And he tossed it out the window. So the friend next to him is saying, why'd you do that? It's your only pair of sandals. You're Gandhi, you know. Why'd you do that? So Gandhi replied with a humble compassion. Now he has a pair. 
Three hours later, the train pulls up into a rainy, slippery station, and Gandhi disembarks barefoot. The second story is about Miss Verna Ellen. I like that name, Miss Verna Ellen. And for 37 years, she worked as an elementary school cafeteria worker. She was happiest when she was serving breakfast to the kids so they could get off to a smart and nutritious start of the day. And as the kids crunched their cereal or ate their bananas or slurped their orange juice, she'd go around and make the rounds and make sure they did their homework. And she'd ask that they're about their siblings, and maybe a hamster that they might have, or a dog that's lost who was sick. She had a really strong presence in that cafeteria. And then she retired after 37 years. Retired on a limited income, and she pledged to herself that she would continue to feed the hungry. But her age kind of got to her, she was unable to stand for long hours, so she realized that she really couldn't volunteer at the food pantry. That would be impossible. But something possible that she could do is she could allot $10 of her, her limited income to the worthy cause of feeding the hungry. But she thought that was too easy. You know, simply putting money in the collection plate was just not enough. So each month, she goes food pantry shopping. She spends the 10 bucks, but she buys name brands. Because she says the hungry probably eat enough generic. And, and she sort of would say, you know, it's mighty nice to see Cheerios on a cereal box or Skippy on a peanut butter, not a generic. Not everybody agrees with her philosophy at the food bank, but no one questions her dedication. She does have a challenge of delivering her purchases to the pantry. She can no longer drive, so she takes a city bus to the closest food bank. In all kinds of weather, then she walks a mile down to give a donation. So Sister Bridget, the author of this book, said, asked her a question, said, it sticks in my mind, why don't you just bring the grocery to church and ask the pantry volunteer to deliver them? Wouldn't that be much easier? Wouldn't that save a lot of time? Well, Miss Verna had an answer for her. She said, responding with conviction, but with a smile on her face, she said, love has got to be creative. It, it can't be drab or go cold. The bus ride and the long walk, all part of my gift. All part of my gift. Two great examples of generosity and compassion. Matthew's Gospel this morning shows us how Jesus was moved with generosity and compassion to feed the hungry. And he didn't just provide the miracle of more fish and bread for them to satisfy and feed them physically. But at the same time, he feeds their minds. He feeds their souls with his words and his teachings. He fed a multitude of people who were hungry 
not just for food. The feeding of the 5,000 shows us that God's generosity will never be outdone. It is a sign. It is a symbol. God gives to us, and when he gives to us, he gives to us in abundance. Of all the miracles that Jesus did, the only one which is repeated in all four Gospels is this one. The only one. The miracle also precedes Jesus' other miracle. That would come later. The gift that still feeds the multitudes today. The miracle of the Eucharist. True bread of heaven that will satisfy our deepest hunger. Pope Francis recently said, just last month, he said, besides physical hunger, people have another hunger, one that cannot be satisfied with ordinary food. It's the hunger for life, the hunger for love, and the hunger for eternity. The Eucharist gives us the grace to feel forgiven and to be ready to forgive others. He added, we go to Mass not because we're worthy, not because we're worthy, or to appear better than others, but because we always need God's love. We always need God's mercy. And it comes to us through the Eucharist. In a moment, together we'll admit, we'll admit to ourselves and to the community that we're not worthy. None of us really are. That's a struggle we all have, that we're not worthy. But as Jesus provided for the lives of all the multitudes, by blessing, by breaking and distributing, in a moment, Father Tom will bless, break, and distribute the bread for our lives. And today, we present ourselves sometimes broken, oftentimes imperfect. There's a song on the radio now by John Legend, and there's a line in it that really hit me the other day. It says, with all our perfect imperfections, with all our perfect imperfections. And here's the good news. Pope Francis assures us that the Eucharist is not a prize for the perfect, but a powerful medicine and nourishment for the weak. So it's summer, a time of reflection, a time of kind of slowing down. I'd like to end with some advice from Pope Francis. He calls it his recipe for happiness. In an interview he published just this week in Viva magazine, it's a thing in Argentina, the magazine, and here's his top 10 for bringing us joy to one's life. Here's the list. Now I'd like to privately and honestly ask you to reflect on this. No sign of hands, no, no, no shaking of heads in your own mind, evaluate how well you're doing on this and how many that you can improve upon. Here goes. Live and let live. Move forward 
and let others do the same. Number two, be giving of yourself to others. Number three, proceed calmly in life. A healthy sense of leisure is number four. He added a little editorial to that one. He said, we should be turning our TV off when we eat together. He says, TV is good for keeping up with the news, but we don't communicate with each other when we watch TV. I think I would add that the dinner table should be a text-free and mobile-free zone. Number five, Sundays should be holidays. Sundays are for family. Number six, find innovative ways to create dignified jobs for young people. Number seven, respect and take care of nature. Number eight, stop being negative. You hear that one? Number eight, stop being negative. Number nine, respect others' beliefs. And number 10, work for peace. I think as we watch the evening news or read the newspaper every day and look at the many conflicts and struggles in the world, I think we should make that our daily prayer, a prayer for peace in the world. So here is our faith message for all of us today. God's compassion, God's generosity will never be outdone. Even with our perfect imperfections, even with our broken lives, His grace is constant. His grace is unearned. And His grace is amazingly abundant. How you doing up in the in the in the nosebleed seats tonight? You doing good? Now here's a little song I wrote a couple of years ago about uh, well about grace. Great is your faithfulness, O oh God. You wrestle with the sinner's restless heart. You lead us by still waters into mercy And nothing can keep us apart So remember your people Remember your children Remember your promise, oh God
those words in scripture are true, whether you feel them or not, that God's grace is sufficient. And maybe that's uh, you tonight, and maybe you needed uh, well to be reminded of that.